at times, you've probably experienced this, you may see someone, whether up close or maybe at a distance, portrayed to you in the media, some person that you think, wow, that's a remarkable person. That person seems to know something almost like a secret, like that person knows something I don't know yet. And they know how to do things I don't know how to do. And in fact, wow, I wish I was like them. And depending on how strong that reaction is, that could be, you know, a weak desire. If it's strong enough, you might actually change your life in order to spend time with this person and learn and change to be like them. This is the impulse to become a disciple, to follow someone, learn from them, learn to do what they do and to be like they are. This was the impulse of the disciples to follow Jesus. Now, today, one of those people that people sometimes will look at and have that reaction to is our Holy Father, Pope Francis. We know that since he became Pope two and a half years ago, that he has drawn much attention. As people look upon him and see things like his joy and this effusive love with which he reaches out to people and this attractiveness with which he pulls them in and how he seems to love everyone, including even people who are suffering or people that might seem very hard to love and that we see him reaching out and touching them. And we might think on the one hand, wow, could I do that? And we might also think, wow, if, if he can love that person, I bet he could love me too. If he could reach out to that person, if I met him, he would reach out to me too. And so people that naturally respond and perhaps are responding even this week as he comes to visit our metro area to say, you know, let me get close to him and see if I can find out and pick up what he's about so I can learn what he knows, start doing what he does, become more like him, and also receive from him. Well, this was what motivated the disciples of Jesus, as well as the fact that they were wondering, is this the Messiah, that special anointed king we've been waiting for God to send to save us, to leave behind their work, their families, and follow him for months and years. What we see in our gospel reading today, this was one of those moments where if their goal was to become like him, they weren't doing a very good job. But let's be more generous. Let's say it's a process. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen overnight, and you know, they did get there eventually. But at this particular moment, the window we get in the gospel, we say, well, they're not, they're not there yet. They're learning, they're growing. Because he's telling them about this immensely important things that are going to happen. He's going to give his life and he's going to rise from the dead and they don't understand. And they're afraid to even ask him. But meanwhile, what have they been doing? They've been debating while they've been walking on the road which one of them is the greatest? Clearly, Jesus and the disciples both have a way of looking at the world, and they have goals, and they have force behind those goals. You might say they have ambitions. They want to reach them. 
But at the moment, they're completely different, aren't they? The disciples are thinking about ambition and about how one of them can get more of greatness, honor, position, power than the others. They're, they're showing what St. James writes about in his letter. And at times we see this in the Gospels that they are motivated by jealousy and envy and covetousness and they end up fighting over which of them can get more of this little pie. And surely at least some of the time one of them must have looked over at Jesus and said, wait, <laughs> this isn't what he's doing. What's the difference? How come we're not like him yet? How come we're over here and he's over there? Well, our first reading gives us a chance to explore this question. Now, the first reading you heard, the wicked are talking about how they're going to torture and kill a just man. This is a portion of just a few verses out of chapters 2 and 3 of the Book of Wisdom, which as a whole, there's a portion of it, it's an exploration by the writer of the Book of Wisdom, guided by the Holy Spirit, of the mindset of actually these two different ways of being. In chapter 2, he explores the mindset of the wicked because they start out by saying, of course I paraphrase, look, everybody dies. And they say, look, since everybody dies, all this, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. You know, wisdom, knowledge, who cares? You're going to die. So since we're all going to die, let's just maximize our earthly material possessions and enjoyments. This is their conclusion. And in maximizing this, in fact, you know, if you see a, a poor person, a vulnerable person, let's take advantage of them so that we can take what they've got and enjoy ourselves even more. You can see this in other words shown in chapter 2 of the Book of Wisdom. And they say, but then there's that, that just man over there, that person who keeps on following a moral law that we've thrown out. And so by his words and also by his actions, he stands as an accusation of us saying, you've made the wrong choice. Those actions of yours, they're not right. Like, so, boy, is he annoying. Let's take care of him and also show him and everybody else that he's wrong. If the wicked premise this conclusion and this way of life on the belief that this is all there is, this life, and then death ends it, and that's it. There's a second implicit belief, which is that God either isn't there, or if he is, he doesn't care. This then becomes the root. This is all there is. I'm out for myself. It's dog-eat-dog. -dog. We can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Let's enjoy ourselves and exploit anybody we need to to do it. Now, do the disciples believe this? This life is all there is. There is no God or he doesn't care. I don't think so. But they're stuck living in a system and habits and patterns of life as if they did. There's a contradiction within them. They don't believe the roots of this, but they're still caught in the habits of it. And what they're going to have to learn is to get all the way down to the roots. And that's why they're following Jesus, isn't it? Because he's living differently. 
He's living like that other description in the book of St. James, letter of St. James. He's peaceful, he's gentle, he's bringing light into darkness, and he's characterized by mercy, which looks at a person in need, and rather than saying, let's exploit and take what he has, says, you know what? I have what he needs, and I can give it to him. And this is what Jesus did, and this is what Pope Francis does too. To get to the root, the root, and to make that shift from one side of the wall to the other, what is it that we have to learn? We have to learn what Jesus knew and experienced and lived and wanted to convey to us, because the core of Jesus' being is that he is the Son. From all eternity, as God the Son, he has known God the Father. And so rather than thinking there is no God or he doesn't care, boy, does he know the opposite. He knows the first person of the Trinity as Father. And he reaches out to person after person and says, experience in me the same mercy that is in the Father. Come to know the Father in a completely different way. Along with knowing the Father, he also knows something else. He knows that death is not the end of this life. Imagine for a moment that you sat down with some family or friends to play the game of Monopoly, and someone says, what's that button sticking out the side of the board? You're like, I don't know, I've never seen that button before. Why don't you push it and see what happens? And you push it, and the board flips over. Now it's twice as big. And then it keeps flipping and flipping and flipping. And by the time it's done, it's 20 times the size that it originally was. And instead of all those familiar properties only that big, there's all these extra properties and all this extra stuff and twists and turns. And you're like, wow, this is a completely different game than what we set down to play. Different goals, different methods. And that's what happens. When Jesus rises from the dead and knocks out the back wall and suddenly it turns out that instead of that little life thought by the wicked, that it's enormous, different goals, different methods. To know God as Father and to see this life as just the beginning of eternity. Well, that changes everything. And then we've come to the roots. And we can actually move completely from one side of the wall to the other. And to move from seeing this little pie that we all have to fight over to said realizing that we can receive and give. Maybe you've tried to imitate Pope Francis and come up short. Wow, look how he reaches out to that person. I'll try, and then in the moment you can't do it. How are you going to do? How are you going to imitate and take that, that admiration and love of Pope Francis and actually live it out? By getting to the same rooms. To really take that in and enter into that relationship. Which means to live each day with prayer, with reflection on scripture, to participate in Christ's body in the Mass, have our sins washed away in confession, 
so that we tap that root that Jesus wants us to tap. And then having, having received that mercy ourselves, to then have it to offer to others. So often in the Old Covenants, God would urge his people to take care of the orphan, the widow, the immigrant. The wicked would seek to exploit them, but what do they need? A father, a family, a home. As we grow as disciples of Pope Francis imitating Christ, we learn their secrets. We allow it to change us. And then as it changed the disciples, it changes us as well.